Hi everyone, welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint. And I'm Julian Taylor. And welcome to our podcast. The Two Bald Guys ride again. Yes, we're back. It's the Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. And um, we're just enjoying the calm before the storm because every two years, myself and Langdon are really good buddies, but every two years, there's a little event that happens in the world where we actually become big rivals, isn't there, Langdon? You know what I'm talking about, don't Truly. you? Truly. I do know what you're talking about, actually. We're rider cupping now. We're rider cupping. Yeah. Rider cupping. I feel like this year you're going to lose. We, we feel pretty Just good. remind me, how many, how many years is it since you won in Europe? It's been in my lifetime. Yeah. It's been in your lifetime, but it was a while ago, I think. So. Yeah, it was. Um, what, 30 or something yeah. crazy? We love it, though, don't we? We love it. Yeah? Feel good this year. I think on paper, your team should absolutely hand it to us. But you don't play the game on paper, do you? No. Indubitably, we don't. So, anyway, there's there's lots of people who listen to us who think golf is just a, a good walk spoilt, so we should move on. Yep. How was your weekend? We've just had a bit of a... So it's an interesting couple of weeks because lots of days off. I know, really. It's been great. You know, we had, it was good though, because we've, I feel like a lot has been going on uh, with work and various things of some travel and stuff. But then, well, I know for you, we can get <clears throat> kind of hit on that. But then we had a nice, here in the States, we had a four day weekend. I know y'all had a three, but you were off, I guess, well, you weren't, but others were off prior you know mental health day which led into our labor day so it was and then the growth of the stash during this time frame for those of you listening on 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 spotify or or apple you are missing out big style on langdon's latest attempt to become magnum pi i mean i'm feeling my inner tom Selleck outside of hair on my head i can see your inner tom Selleck starting to creep out thank you Next time I, sh- I should have worn my Magnum shirt, but I didn't. How was your How was your mental health day, though? So, so I, I did spectacularly well because we had a we had a we had a public holiday in the UK. Um, we then had the Friday off, which was the, a wellness day, not a mental. It was it was a wellness day, I think it was called. Um, but I was, I suppose, I was lucky enough that I got sent on a on a on a on a on a trip to Australia, um, which was fantastic. It was a great, great opportunity to to sort of meet a, a sort of the wider wider team that we work with um, down under. And I don't often get that chance. Um, but the biggest biggest bonus for me, Langdon, was I got to go and see my baby. Got yeah. to go and see my number two daughter, um, who <laughs> I haven't seen for twelve months. Wait, um, time out. I, I'm not, I know she's actually, not listening. You need to clarify that. that. I need to clarify that. That is just simply in birth order. There is no preferential treatment being handed out here. So they do constantly argue about which one's the favorite. Um, so I just tell them neither of them. That's so, fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but it's it kind of just reminds you about what's important in life when you've not seen somebody special for, for that long and then you get a chance to wrap your arms around them, which you can't do on a WhatsApp call. Um, and I do admit there was 
my eyes were watering a little bit when when she she, she walked out of the station towards me. So I don't envy you on that. No, we'll say we've talked about this on a serious note, everyone. His kids both went about as far as you possibly could from where he lives. So I don't know what he did to push that, but that would be that would be difficult. He's a good good buddy of mine, and he said, "Your job as a parent is to train your kids to leave home." Um, and 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 I say, I say, I've I've done a great job. I just wish they would leave leave home a little bit nearer. So. Um, and, and one's in one's in Australia, one's in Colombia. So the other thing I've said to them is, if you could get on the same continent, that would at least really help me in terms of actually getting to see you occasionally. Yeah. <clears throat> so you were flying back on Wellness Day then. So Wellness Day, I was going to get to the point. My Wellness Day actually consisted of probably fourteen hours sitting on an aeroplane um, from Melbourne to Doha, and then two or three hours sitting in Doha airport. Um, so, so I'm actually going to reclaim my wellness day this Friday and I'm going to go and do a bit of volunteering for a local charity that, that I work with, which is, is, is going to be great. So do yeah. you, when you hit that flight, so I did a flight back from where I guess it was, I think it was new Delhi a few years ago and I landed in Paris, Charles de Gaulle. And it was one of those, you know, you flew whatever, 10 hours from, India there and you land and you're just like, Oh, thank goodness. You lean back in your chair and then you realize, Hmm, I am barely halfway and I have another one of these. Did that hit you at any point? Well, it's funny, isn't it? Cause you, you are saying my, your whole perception of what is a long flight changes, doesn't it? Um, and when you've done that, that leg from anywhere to get to Australia, anything else seems pretty easy. So when you, when you say, Oh, then you're going, oh, I've only got a seven-hour flight now to go from Doha to, to, to Manchester. Um, so um, I, thought I, I thought I'd looked out as well because I was sat there. I, I, was, I was on the on the plane pretty quickly. I was one of the first ones on, on the Doha to Manchester leg. And, and I got a spare seat next to me. And it was going longer and longer and longer. And nobody's in the seat. And then right at the death, I see this guy walking down the aisle and I'm like, no, damn it. And that was your buddy, right? Is that the same one that you and I've talked about? Yeah, he was a bit of a spreader. So for those of you who travel on airplanes, you know exactly what I mean if I say he was a bit of a spreader. So I had to, I had to discuss with him the, the etiquette and the, and the way that people should behave on airplanes. For example, whose arm, whose arm sits on what armrest and whose knee juts into what area of space. Um, but we, we got on quite well after that. The, the basics of flight etiquette and really just flying. Yeah, it's the basics of flying. Anyone who knows me knows I can get onto a bit of a ramp when we get into flight etiquette. Yeah. You know, that's really, I'm glad you're back. And honestly, this just came to me. That's really a perfect segue the basics of flight etiquette. What are we going to talk about today, which really is another basic, Jules? Well, we, we, I know what we're going to talk about, but I, I got another line I was going to throw at you, which I, I, I absolutely haven't pre-warned you about. But I was, I, was, I was listening to a safety guy talking the other day, and, and he came out with a line that I really loved, and I'm really interested in your take on it. And what he said was, 
An organization can only ever be as safe as your most unsafe person. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, I think there's some variance, right? But I would agree with that because it's kind of what you and I've talked about. I like, I mean, I feel like I've heard something like that before, but I do like that. But I wonder, you know, you get the person that it's always dependent on just them. You know what I mean? I'm not going to call them a bad apple or anything like that, but I think that can, that can play havoc with that thought. But at the same time, if, if you have an organization that's trying, you know, and they're, they're putting it forth. Yeah. I totally agree with that because you have to take everyone into account. And, you know, we've learned, especially with some serious incidents that have happened. If you look back at, at, uh, at, at the major occurrences of incidents over the last you know 50 years, you think about some of them, whatever it is, um, you know, Bhopal, BP, any of those, you start thinking or realizing a lot of times it, it was, it was systematic multiple issues, but a, a lot of times it, it could have been prevented by one person, meaning a little extra recognition or cognizance or deciding not to, you know, do something. So I think, I think that's pretty fair. That's, I would agree with that. That, that leads us, that leads us quite nicely into what we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to throw no more curveballs at you, um, which is we're going to talk about JHAs. Um, so, and probably a good starting point because we kind of we, we've 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 got quite a broad audience, and we've got an audience in different regions of the world. Um, what what's what's the difference, Langdon, or, or what do we mean by JHA, and what's the difference between a JHA and a risk assessment? So. So we don't bore everyone. We are going to make some, this isn't just a... I'm, I'm glad you're making an exception today on that rule. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't just a, oh goodness, they're talking JJs. It's it's a little bit more, I think, holistic of uh, what are some things we could do differently and, and then even leading into maybe better task-oriented. So kind of prefacing that. But typically... And I know it's it, it can <clears throat> excuse me be a little different in the states versus the UK. But if you look at it from a so JHA job hazard analysis, JSA job safety analysis, most people use those interchangeable. There are some slight variants, but for this, let's just keep it the same. Um, it's actually looking at a job, so looking at a task, breaking that task down into component steps, uh, identifying hazards with each step and then inputting what controls you could put to minimize those hazards. I like to do pre and post risk at the end of that. So like your risk matrices, was it yeah. high, medium, low, you know, whatever. Versus a risk assessment that typically it's a little more broad. It, it's not just straight focused on a singular job task. So it could be a, a risk assessment of the entire facility. We might be your walk around. It could be, more generalized of looking at the risk that are inherent there that are or not inherent, but that are present. You might actually look at hazards that are additionally in there, but it's not focused as much on a specific job task. Oh, and I think whilst it can it can focus on a on a on a particular job or activity, 
I think what it tends to do, I think a risk assessment tends to be very much more focused on, as the name implies, the specific hazards and the risk rather than the steps that they align to in the actual activity or the job. Yep. Yeah. And it, it's, and I think it's one of those we get, you know, we get pretty caught up. A lot of people don't like JHAs. I mean, you, you have to have some type of hazard analysis from, from a regulatory perspective, but we get caught up and I know I don't want to detract from where we're going to get and, you know, in a little while, but maybe it's time we start thinking a little differently instead of putting so much focus on hazards that we actually think about it from a job perspective, which really you can do that with risk, with a risk assessment, with a, you know, walk around, quote unquote, walk through, whatever, or a, a JHA. If you keep it focused on the task, everything else kind of, you can start piecing together. So it's, to me, we need to think a little differently on how we, we do those. Cause you know, I've told you before, I remember going working with an organization and they were, they were talking about, we, we were trying to figure out some best practices for JHAs. What, you know, what could we do better? How can we maybe get these more as a living document, which they should be right. And then upon further discussion, realized they had like 50,000 JHAs. And I mean, that's your, so everyone, if you, you can't see right now, Joel's is just laughing. Honestly, that was my response too. I was, I'm just laughing because because actually that that just sums up the stupidity of some safety systems, doesn't it? Fifty thousand documents. I wonder what percentage of those ever get looked at. That's what I said. I was exactly my question was. Well, I posed it a little more as you know, kind of laugh for a minute. Try, I had I had to hide that because they were being pretty serious. So I was like, got to lock it up, lock it up, Langdon. But it was how. So how do you manage that? And I got some, you know, kind of bare looks and they were, they basically just created them for everything. And then some things got reviewed, some got updated as they should, but the others didn't. So it was one of those, well, what's the point? What, what happens if someone goes and grabs a JHA and then it's totally out of date? I mean, so we talked about that and they, they didn't have an answer. And I don't mean that bad. It's a very large uh, organization that they do a lot of good when it came to health and safety, but they were, mi they were missing the mark um, big time. It's one of my biggest beefs, Langdon, is, um, is this whole thing of, of, of people sort of just creating mass documentation for the, for the sake of it. And it's almost ticking boxes, isn't it? And, and the biggest thing is how do we actually make safety something that is relevant to people in at, at the sharp end, yeah, and and something so it's so it's real, um, and and the same with the risk assessments in the UK. We, we, I've seen businesses where they've got lots of risk assessments. They're sitting in a filing cabinet locked in an office, so so nobody ever really looks at them, yeah, um, and and they're done by somebody sitting in an office somewhere, not right. So somebody who's never doing the job themselves, um, but actually nobody looks at them. So the, the the whole the whole sort of process has no value because it doesn't improve safety and it doesn't make people think. Um, I just had a mind blowing thought then. You know when you were talking, which was was rather than calling it JHA or job hazard analysis, 
why don't we just call it job analysis? And actually, within job analysis, there are other things that you could include in there, couldn't you? So actually, you could include quality steps. You could include safety steps. There could be, you could just make it. Then it gets confusing because we have SOPs, which gets even more confusing. Because then, and that was what you just hit on, exactly part of their, you know, some of their JJs were like five pages long. So I'm like, okay, time out. You have 50,000 of them. Some of them are five, six pages. And I get it. Some jobs are complex, but, and they also had standard operating procedures, which kind of might incorporate some of that broader. So then you start thinking either this is the most complex organization, which it wasn't. I mean, that it, there's complexity everywhere. So I'm not negating, but I mean, it wasn't, it's complex, but you know what I mean? Um, it gets really cumbersome. I mean, and that's, I agree. And I wonder if, you know, your, your favorite, we talk about KISS to keep it simple and places that do that. You've really got to take a step back and think, how can we maximize the benefits of this and actually understand what we're trying to get? Yes, it's, it's crucial that we know how to recognize hazards. I'm not negating that. I'm a big proponent of if you can't recognize a hazard or risk, you're in, to me, that's like the forefront of health and safety, really. But it's when you think about that in conjunction with how do we actually start the job safe? What does safe look like? And that's the differential that if, if you get so focused on the hazard, you forget of how that ties into the actual job. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like the, the conversations we've had before, Langdon, where we talk about safe operations. So stop talking about safety culture and let's talk about safe operations where we're actually safety is just a part of the everyday conversation. And that's where I was kind of coming from with that. Maybe we lose the hazard out the job hazard analysis and actually similar to safe operations, safety is just kind of an integral part of what we discuss. So actually let's think about how we do this job. Let's think about how we do it as efficiently as possible. Let's think about how we do it in the best, best way in terms of quality, but also how we do it in, in the most, in the safest possible way as well. Um, and, and actually that might start to just engage more people in terms of actually looking at these kind of documents because it's not a safety document. It's a job document. Yeah. Um, and I think, no, I agree. Because ideally, you... Can I patent can, that that idea, by the way? Can I just put my stamp on it before anyone steals yeah, it? Yeah, go ahead. I think you should. I think that's a great idea. You know, it's, it's one of those also, I wonder, and the... So I used to do a lot of JHA workshops, uh, four hours, and every time, and it wasn't because Langdon DeMint was teaching it, but... I mean, maybe it was actually, let's take a step back and focus on that for a moment, but no, um, I'm, 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 I'm just thinking four hours of Langdon talking about JHAs that I'd be catching up on some sleep. I'm telling you. And that's why, that's why a solid two and a half to three hours of that. We did workshops and it working together, splitting in groups. And it was because, but every time, so I did it at AIHA, NSC, kind of the, on the PDCs, the pre-conferences I think I did it at ASSP a while, while back. And then I just decided not to um, submit there. 
because doing four hours was a lot. But anyways, it was every time the class was filled and I would get messages about potentially expanding it. So what what that tells me is a couple of things. And and through discussion, they were very, we always had really good discussions. And there was a couple of things, everybody, and they were full of, you know, one-off meaning a, a singular uh, manufacturer or a single location, safety manager to, you know, directors to how can we get this across the board? So, it, I mean, it was various degrees, levels of organizational structure and health and safety professionals. But it was always filled and it intrigued me because some of them, they didn't use them. They wanted to figure out how to get, how to make it effective right off the bat. Some of them used them and they were just trying to figure out how can we do it differently. So it was called integrating JHAs. So integrating job hazard analysis. And I think, I think it was, it's all in the details, but it was all about how can you create a simple JHA? We would go through building one together thinking of things we don't always think about, thinking of the broader risk, putting that in perspective, thinking about it a lot more. Let's look at the ergo. Let's look at some of the infectious disease, the health side we can prevent. I mean, so it was taking everything instead of just how we get focused on the simple, easy to realize hazard that there's, you know, water on the floor. There's, you know, he's, he's, um, he's always working where there's, you know, a leak or something, or he's, always having to lift or he's not wearing, but you know, and instead of thinking that it was really looking and kind of thinking it broader. And then how do you integrate that into your systems to be effective? And so we always would do that. And we always got excellent conversation through that because everybody has different ways of doing it. Right. But it's, how can you, how can you really maximize that? And when I was doing, whether it was internally at, past organizations doing a lot of um, working at, you know, my facilities or the consulting piece. One of the easiest things to do is not include necessary people, meaning the actual people doing the job. It's easy for me to go up and, you know, okay, it looks like with this, 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 I can watch a video, go back and create it. And then I check it off. These are the hazards because I know what to look for and, and done. But you're missing a I'll just say a viable piece if you don't incorporate the employees. And that's something I, I always wanted to push it. Don't just use your perspective as a safety manager for going out, but your perspective, the person doing the job they're the frontline manager. I mean, and that's when you start realizing you're getting that engagement, you're getting that buy-in and that's just for the JHA. That's not even thinking about it from doing a risk assessment, which you could do that just as easy getting all that involvement. So it's something that is still very talked about, but I wonder if we could start doing it a little differently to maximize, you know, what, what we want to get out of it. I think that, that, that what you're talking about there in terms of who does, who, who does it, actually the, there's so much to be gained from getting the people at the sharp end to, to, to actually create the JHA. Just that, that sort of, it's like all of us, isn't it? If somebody shows us that trust to do something, that starts to build your own self-esteem. It starts to build your engagement. Um, and, and it has far bigger knock-on effects than just safety, doesn't it? Because that person starts to feel more valued. They'll contribute more around other areas of the, of the organization. Um, but most important of all, actually, if you've written something, how much more engaged are you with that? 
thing than if you're just giving it or handed it. Yeah. Well, especially if you keep them involved versus, you know, getting permission, showing, you know, getting, taking pictures, doing a video, which I love. I think that's great because you can go back and revisit. But it's different if you get there, if you kind of talk through it versus, oh, I made a video. Hey, look, look what you look what you do. I mean, that's totally different than... You know the other the other thing that kills credibility straight away, Langdon, for something like JHAs, and I've heard this so often is, yeah, this person came in who didn't understand the job, and then tried to tell us how to do it. Yeah, um, so so why put yourself in that position? I'm I'm realistic enough to know that if I walk into a facility I don't know and I don't understand, how can I write a safety document for that for that facility? You've got to use the people who are in there who understand it and know it, and you get all the sort of knock-on benefits of, of, of doing it in that way, don't you? Um, so biggest thing, biggest thing, first of all, is to get the people at the sharp end involved in actually doing it, yeah? Yep, and, and I think even you kind of start thinking, we get, so uh, hopefully everyone has listened to our the podcast we did with Todd, Todd Hone, um, and I think it's a lot of it is when we start trying to figure out where do we need to focus, right? And I like it because JHAs, you know, yes, they're a little old school and process or whatnot, and they focus on the hazard. So while I was mentioning Todd, he's putting a lot of focus on SIFs. I mean, he does a ton of work around that. But I wonder if we can rethink now, valid, there are different tools that we could use as well, but how often do we even think about the JHA from that? We get so focused on the hazard, kind of like we were talking about earlier. How often do we actually look at what is the job? What's the task that we're, that we're doing? What yeah. do we have to ensure is in place to mitigate any adversity, any serious incident? You know, what are the main controls you can put in place to ensure and then start thinking, okay, so we want to make sure we can start this job as safe as possible. I think in general, we, you know, we, we think start work as, well, I'm only starting when I'm safe, obviously, but we don't really, do we really, really think about that, you know? So I wonder if we can kind of restructure the, our JHA mindset to even be, you know, preventative, not just looking at it for hazards, but let's look at it for the job. Let's think about the task. Let's think about the crucial elements that if something happens, we're going to have a problem. So then we can negate that and then associate hazards or whatnot. So it shifts that. There's that, and, and you can also almost include in every one, couldn't you? That whole safe to start approach as, a, as, as the starting point, couldn't you? Or as, as one of the steps in, in, in your approach. I think you were talking there about controls and, um, it was just sort of making me think about something we talked about before, which is, is the hierarchy of control. And it's, it's almost, I don't know about you, Langdon, I, I, I might be getting this completely wrong, but I feel like it's almost become a bit old fashioned, the hierarchy of control. And, and a lot of people don't, don't really reflect on it as much anymore. Um, and in some organizations, you can see it, you can see it with, there's a, there's a, pretty quick slide down to the bottom to things like PPE. Um, and, and I think, again, 
it, it, it wouldn't do any harm, would it, to, to sort of reinvigorate the hierarchy of control and get people again back into that mindset of, actually, you said it there, what's the best way? What's the best way to control a hazard that I've got in front of me? Um, and, and, and nothing ever changes, does it? The best way to, to control a hazard is get rid of it. So actually, can we start with elimination and then we work down from there? But actually, that should always be our sort of starting point, if possible, is to get rid of it. Yeah? Yeah. I would agree with that. I think it is. I'm, I don't know. I never thought about it that way. But it does seem, it does, some for some reason, the hierarchy of control, you're like, oh, that's just an old-fashioned topic. We don't need to hit it. But that's pretty crucial. No, I totally agree with that because, you know, it's different than, you know, than Heinrich's triangle or something like that that's kind of been debunked. I mean, the problem is we've got too many flipping triangles. And people get <laughs> You're all right. Them, don't they? So, maybe, um, maybe we could come up with the hierarchy of controls to be, you remember those things where, like you always see it at Christmas. It could be a little, I don't know what they're called, a little can Santa, and then you open it, and then there's a smaller one, and then you can open that one in a... Flipping act like that. I think, I think that, could be, that could be too bull guy swag, couldn't it? There are... It's like little me's, little you's we open up. Like a, like a hierarchy Russian doll, yeah? yeah. Is that yeah. what they're called? I don't remember what they're called. They're called but... Russian dolls, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think that is, maybe we could do that because I think it is crucial. It's not. And, and PPE is the little weeny, 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 weeny one right in the middle. The little one is the PPE. And that shows compared to the other, what's the importance? Jules, patent, copyright, whatever you do. Um, we'll get our marketing guru on onto this. Yeah, that is actually a really good idea. I'm glad I thought of this. <laughs> but but there is something to that because if you get job focused and task and start work, you start thinking about what controls are imperative that I have to have because if there is some issue, because you want to eliminate, but that's unfortunately that's not that's not practical all the time i don't even know what percentage of that is you know reality but then you start getting to all right well what are some things we can do to minimize to acceptable levels and that's when it gets challenging especially in high hazard industries and i think that's where we've seen so many of those high hazard industries they've they have learned how to control because they have experienced the catastrophic um, but what you still see is, you know, when something happens, it's still usually pretty, pretty serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's it's interesting, isn't it? It's it's just that, right? Have we done it as effectively as possible? Um, yeah. I, I, an interesting story for you. I went to a really big glass factory a few years ago. Um, and they had this, I mean, it was an incredible facility. I mean, they produced big sheets of glass and they had this massive production line. I think it was quarter of a mile long. Um, and, and a lot of it had this fence, it, it, so a, a, a steel mesh fence, so that you couldn't get near to the moving parts of, of the conveyor, which the glass was sliding along as it went through the different parts of the process. Um, and, and and the guy who was showing me around was telling me the story about when they actually had the health and safety executive came in to visit them, um, and he and and he was like he was he was really really proud of this this of what they'd done because he'd come in and he'd put all this this sort of fence and guarding in place so people couldn't get to the 
get to the to the conveyor um and the health and safety guy picked him up on it and 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 he said he said you looked at this this fence and the way it being created there was a there was like a i don't know maybe a two three inch gap at the bottom of it and the guy said you've got a problem he said well i've got a problem they said well anybody ever dropped a mobile phone around here and he said, what if somebody's mobile phone slid in under that gap? What are they going to do? They're going to slide their arm under to try and get their phone back, aren't they? Yeah. So even when we've, when we've sort of looked at something and put the right thing, put what we think is the right thing in place, that's the real value of coming back and reviewing things, isn't it? Maybe with a different pair of eyes to say, actually, is that the best way to do this? That's... That's actually a very good story because that also shows in you start thinking about it from a pre-incident investigation or thinking about it from that. I mean, uh, and that's a very quick, good thought about dropping something. What does that show that, you know, that's something where they didn't actually take, they thought they were taking everything in consideration, but they were taking all the, the realized potential things, but not even thinking about some of the, flukes for every day. I mean, I've dropped my phone all the time. The, and, and again, it comes back to your point of, the, of thinking about the broader job rather than just the hazard, doesn't it? It's actually, what are people going to be doing in situ around this, this particular piece of equipment or this particular guard and actually trying to take everything into account? I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really interesting story. I think it is. And very applicable, right? I mean, to to pre-incident investigations, to cognition, to even, I think the JHA, and hopefully that's what everyone's understanding. We're trying to, I mean, it's a normal everyday topic, your JHA, your risk assessments, but how often are we thinking about them differently? Even, you know, and I think that's what we want to get is being more focused on jobs, on tasks, on controls to, to understand what things do we have to put in place? What controls are imperative to ensure that we're going to be minimizing any uh, serious effect? And I think that's what we have to get. And then you can start creating your JHA off of that to where it's, you know, you start looking at the hazards and thinking about them. And I know not everybody's going to be at that point. And we a lot need to stick to the basic quote unquote JHA. But I think even if they start thinking about it a little differently from the task, you're going to start realizing that, I think you can even make leaps and bounds of improvements quicker than if you just get focused on the hazard. Cause you're, you're going to miss a hazard. Uh, that company you just mentioned is a perfect example. They missed a, they missed a hazard. What if somebody had taken a water bottle and dropped it and it rolled under? I mean, it's. That's it. Um, but yeah, but it, it, and it, and it goes to show, doesn't it? How, it's worth bringing different people in to, to take a look at things, particularly um, sort of getting those people at the sharp end involved to, to look at it because they understand the job as effectively as possible. But then maybe just sometimes getting another safety professional in, maybe talking to somebody who's in a similar industry and getting their views, yeah? Um, we always talk about safety is is non-competitive, isn't it? Uh, and I think that's one of the real values of, of sort of, of safety is building out that community of safety people that you can talk to to say we're doing this have you got any thoughts have you got any advice that's what i love about safety you go when you go to the expos you go to the nscs or ascps and and or, or you go to the expo in the uk 
is just getting that group of people together who just want to talk about what they do and how they do it. So. And just try to pick up something different that can be applied. That's, yeah. My Jules, I think we've nailed this one. I think we've I think we've rambled for long enough there. Um yeah, we've had some we've had some light bulb moments. So we're not going to call them JHAs, we're going to just call them job job analysis now. And then we need to sort some swag out, don't we, to to reinvigorate the hierarchy of control. T-shirts and Russian dolls are coming your way, everyone. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolate teapots and Chocolate. Russian dolls and T-shirts. That's that's what the two bull guys are going to come up with. Some so. sweet swag. Cool, Langdon. I'll let you. Um, I'll let you take it away and finish us off in your normal style. Well, thanks, Jules. For those of you out there, I hope you've enjoyed the session today on JHAs and how we can do things better. But more importantly. Um, as we're going through, as you go through your everyday, as you go through your work life, your home life, your community, let's remember to stay healthy, stay safe, and watch each other's back out there. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Everyone, really appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. Please follow and subscribe to wherever you stream your favorite podcast or visit us at evotix.com. And if you want to see how follically challenged we really are, come and check us out on YouTube. If you've got value from the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts. And in the review section of this podcast, if you could leave us a review or a rating, that would be great. And as always, everyone, while you're going about your days and about your normal lives, stay safe out there and watch each other's back. <laughs> <laughs>